we're back. Okay, let's do it. Usually we start with listener questions, but John just said he's having a fight with someone about Taylor Swift. I said, John, no one knows more about Taylor Swift or has thought more deeply about Taylor Swift than Kid Midas, the original wave rider. So tell me right now. All right. Well, you know that I uh, like to take counter positions to what is going on in, in society. So um, I'm a contrarian by nature. Mm-hmm. No, that's not true, right? You are. Mm, interesting. I'm generally not. Depends on the issue. Depends on the issue. Well, with the issue of Taylor Swift, I am over it. Like, th- it's such a boring take because, like, everybody on the MAGA side hates Taylor Swift, and there's all these misogynist guys who are like, Taylor's ruining the NFL, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not that guy. Mm-hmm. I don't hate Taylor. I like Taylor and I appreciate her talent and everything she does. She has every right to do it and she has every right to go to the games and to see her boyfriend and to be on TV all the time and, and everything she's doing, she completely has a right to do. I'm just, it's if do, it's dominating my life. Taylor Swift. So news? I'm just complaining. I'm not saying that there's a solution to this and I'm not saying it's Taylor's fault, but I'm saying... Please don't hold it against me if I'm like, when I saw that Taylor was releasing a new album, I was like, oh my God. Like enough because already. Because that's all I hear all day long in this house on the radio. And because of my media consumption habits, which again are my fault. Yeah, that's your issue. That's not that's Taylor's That's my Swift's issue. Right. Yeah. Taylor dominates spaces that I'm in. Mm. And it's not because she's a woman. It's it it would be the same way if it were if Kanye West was doing this. That's probably not a good example because he's because they're all wrapped. I mean, they're all wrapped up in each other in some. You oh, know. yeah. And also, he's just kind of like a bad person that nobody really, really likes. I think Taylor Swift is is less. Yeah, I think. Yes. Well, Taylor Swift might be a bad person, but if so, she's in she's a bad person in a different way than the way Kanye West is a bad person. What did you think about her? Um, her she, again, she has every right to release an album. Everyone's going to buy it. There's a total market for it, and she just loves to work and do that stuff. She's like Merzbau or Jandek. She just like can't or Lil B can't stop putting out albums. But something about her announcing it at the Grammys annoyed me. A little like, unseemly. Was, was it? I kind of think it was. Have other people said this? I don't know. I haven't really followed much about the Grammys. So the Grammys, well, first first things first, the name of the podcast is Election Profit Makers. And you can already tell it's going to be an all-timer of an episode. 90 minutes of deep dive into Taylor Swift. The Grammys were the other night. And um, Taylor Swift won a, re- I think she got record of the year, right? And it was the most ever, most times a single artist has won record of the year. And during her acceptance speech, my understanding is she announced a new record that she's putting out. That's correct. Yes. It's it coming out in April. Um, I think she t- tweeted it simultaneously at the same time. And she didn't take a lot of time to make that announcement. It just felt like... Teacher's pet. Like, enough. It felt Teacher's like... Teacher's pet. You, Stop right. brown-nosing us. Yes. It felt like Stop we all brown-nosing know, us. We all know somebody who's just so over-the-top extra, either... In sports, they just play hard all the time, and you're just like, you're great, and can you just chill out? We're up 35 points. We all don't have to, like, bust it down the court or whatever. Um, and, yeah, I just felt like if she was an underground artist or somebody or, like, me that had was it up at the Grammys for the first time ever and the last time ever, uh-huh. you better believe I'm announcing my album up there. Oh, my God. I would be so excited if you won a Grammy and then used your acceptance speech to announce a new album. Yeah, I'd be dropping – I'd be like, here's the, the URL. you like Michelle Obama I, winning a Grammy for her audiobook and then going up on stage and announcing her new audiobook is – secret audiobook's about to drop. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so that's what was – it just seemed completely unnecessary. Like she was like, I got to take this opportunity while I have it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. never this gonna. This is have your one opportunity other. to ever have everyone's attention. I see what you mean. So, and I know we're gonna get a ton of pushback, and everyone's gonna say that I hate Taylor, and I don't. I think I hate her more than you do, actually. I don't hate her. I'm just sick of it. It's nobody has dominated 
This is what I thought of today. Nobody has dominated all parts of culture and media like Taylor Swift in my lifetime other than one person, and that's Donald Trump. Whoa. And I'm not comparing her to right, Donald right, Trump. Right, right, right. I love But Donald this. Trump was the president mm-hmm. and is just a famous blowhard. And and his and he infected every realm of culture. Right. Taylor Swift, though, has only done that in the last 12 months since she started dating uh, the football player because that got her into the sports world. And then once she was in the sports world, she was in her everything. presence in the political world because of these insane conspiracy. I haven't followed this. So I'm hoping you can explain these conspiracy theories to me Okay, that the GOP has about how they're going to rig the Super Bowl so that Taylor Swift can do something political. I think the plan is that... Um yeah, the Super Bowl has been rigged to make sure that Kelsey, her boyfriend, Travis Kelsey, uh, will be in the Super Bowl and possibly win for the Kansas City Chiefs. And then they'll have all of this, um, you know, all these eyeballs. And she'll be able to use that to to make an announcement that Trump is bad and Biden is good. But I mean, she is she going to make that announcement at the Super Bowl right after he proposes to her. She's going to turn to the camera. But and no, say, seriously, what is the conspiracy theory? Because I see these headlines. MAGA loses their mind about Taylor Swift. It, it, it just at some point she's going to to use all this to um, to hurt their guy. I don't know why. I don't know why it's a conspiracy because she 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 came out against Trump in um, in twenty twenty as well. Yeah, didn't didn't she like try to get young people to register to vote? Isn't that that's what they're worried about, right? That's her evil yeah. power or her evil plan. Right. And other people are really mad because they're like, she she hasn't used her evil power to, you know, take on Joe Biden about Palestine. <laughs> yeah. Taylor Swift is definitely going to wade into that. <laughs> Taylor Swift is custom made in a lab to weigh into the ceasefire and Israel-Palestine genocide stuff. It oh, my God. It, why? It would only take a second for her to just tweet something about it. That will never happen in – she would be more likely to do anything. That is – and I'm, I, I know that sometimes I get carried away and I, and I fall victim to her hyperbole. That is literally the last thing on earth Taylor Swift would ever do. <laughs> okay. Everything else you can imagine her doing – is more likely than her than her tweeting about Israel and Palestine. Okay. She would sooner release like a grindcore album or slap a dog on stage. Slap a dog. The worst thing a human can do is to slap a dog. Yeah. You know? That's pretty nice yeah. when you think about it. <laughs> yeah. It's so shocking. Still not Poor as shocking Tom. as her tweeting, we need a ceasefire, free Palestine. <laughs> it's not happening. So, who are you rooting for in the Super Bowl? Do John, you care? I don't know who the fuck's playing in the Super Bowl. When is the Super well, Bowl? It, it's the San Francisco 49ers. It's this Sunday. Okay. Uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs, mm. which So uh, we have two we have two nightmare towns for Republicans. San Francisco because it's overrun by homeless people, right? Don't don't conservatives hate San Francisco? Yes, yeah. And then we have Kansas City Chiefs. Why is that a nightmare town? Because of Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. They're they're actually rooting for the 49ers, the MAGA people. Politics make strange bedfellows, Johnny. Right? Yeah, strange bedfellows indeed. Right. Kansas City is actually one of the most conservative fan bases. Um I actually saw that somebody released that I guess data. that makes sense. Yeah. Kansas City Chiefs have one of the most conservative fan bases in professional football. That's right. Uh, like the Carolina Panthers were right there in the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carolina, Atlanta, stuff like that. I heard that, they were but... terrible. Did they fire their coach? Did we talk about this? Yeah, we fired lots of coaches. We have a crazy owner. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah. You're saying terrible. we. Do you have a? Do you have a interest in the in the Carolina Panthers? Well, I could. I, it's a shorthand to to use. To use pronouns and stuff. I mean, I could say the Carolina Panthers fired. Let's do that because I don't, want our, li- I don't want our listeners to think you're, that you're, you have an ownership stake in a professional football team. Because then, no. But as a Carolinian, I have a, I have a stake in the fandom. So an emotional I, stake. So I definitely use we and they as shorthand 
when referring to particular sporting events and, and stuff like that. And it's not because I think I'm part of the team. What about on Twitter? Do you say we for Twitter because you have a stake in uh, emotional investment in Twitter? I might. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I might. So yeah. what's your favorite Taylor Swift song? I think it's a one about summer. Mm. Summer slaughter. Well, I don't know. How's it go? I'm knee deep in blood in my miniskirt. The blood of the enemies is flowing around my ankles. Just because you were captain of the cheer squad. You thought no, you could escape one. my blade of vengeance. Now I have the taste. The iron scent of blood. All the popular girls are going to get killed by me. The thing I don't, the thing, well, we could do a whole Patreon episode about Taylor Swift. Cause as you know, I've had my, I've had my legal issues with Taylor Swift, not legal issues. Yeah. They so, so you released, let's not, let's save that for a Patreon. Let's do a special, wait a minute. Let's do a special Patreon. That episode was very about, famous that you, what you did, Taylor you, Swift. you made this mashup of Apex, Apex Swift. Yep. And then did I ever tell you that our mutual friend, Andrew got into a cab in Washington, DC and the cab driver was listening to your mashup. I that can't be true. That is completely true. That makes me feel like I'm living in a Thomas Friedman column. How come yeah, Thomas Friedman good. never gets into a cab where the cabbie's listening to one of my mashups <laughs> and then he spins a whole column out about what the cabbie says about it? Yeah. Talk about the world is flat. Mashups are like the musical equivalent of Thomas Friedman's world is flat. Everything's on an equal playing field. Everything can okay, be Okay, but that's a great idea. Let, why don't we do our next Patreon on that and maybe you could play some of the music the music that's no longer allowed to be on the internet because Taylor Swift's publishing company yanked it all. Right. Although they also just yanked all their music from TikTok. See, John, it's all connected. You got to listen to the numbers. LTTN, man. Listen to the numbers. It's all happening. First, they came for me <laughs> and nobody said anything. And now they've taken, and now Universal Music Group has taken all their music off TikTok and everyone is so sad. TikTok has been silenced. What are we going to do? But I think it's a terrible move because I only know all this music from TikTok. Well, that but you're old, so that you don't count. John, looking in the outline here, I see you have a topic called Apple Apple Vision Pro. Do we need to discuss this? I I I, I got to say that that Apple has released this new virtual reality headset. And I'm sure there's plenty of jokes about how ridiculous it looks and how expensive it is and how stupid it is. And I got to say, oh, as God. someone who's not a techie, uh -huh. as someone who does not know how to work a computer, hates computers, doesn't have huge big screen TVs or any of that stuff. I'm interested. I'm curious in the <clears throat> Apple Vision Pro. Great segment. I, we will not continue this segment. Uh, why, wait, wait, Moving wait, on. wait. No. Turning no, now I, to our predictive. I, seriously, I think that this would help. I can imagine myself using this. So, so you're going to use it. Okay, we can. No, we can call I know this. exactly how you're going to use it. You're the same way you use your hearing aids, where you surreptitiously turn on white noise so that you don't have to listen to conversations in the home. You're going to wear these damn goggles all day. The, the people you're responsible for are going to think you're engaging with them. And you're secretly just going to be looking at Twitter all day, sitting no. in the living room with your hands down your pants. Come on. No, no. What I'm saying is I do everything on my phone because I hate being hunched over a little 15 inch um, laptop. I, 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 there's just not enough. It doesn't give me I can't I don't have enough desk space on it. So I might as well just be on my phone and I can have more mobility. But the idea of wearing something like this and being able to virtually have just multiple monitors all around, you, <coughs> it just seems like it could really help you with productivity. I for the podcast, I could be I could be wearing it right now. Listen to me. Just listen to me. I could be wearing it right now if we mm -hmm. expense this to the podcast and you we, we, and, and I have this uh -huh. and I would have the predicted up and I'd have the outline up and I'd have the latest news up and in my notes up. Now I have all that stuff up on my, on my laptop right now, but it's all jumbled in behind one another and I can't find exactly where it is. If you, you think have, it's going to be easier to find stuff when it's in your field of vision, like floating in front of your sofa or like, well, yeah, sw swiping it over behind your cupboard or something. The thing is absolute the, chaos. The really cool thing about it is 
that you can pin these you can pin these um frames these screens in certain places so they're not just always directly in front of you you can just take um you know this basketball game that you're watching and just pin it to this wall here and it just stays off to the right and it's not in your field of vision and then if you want to look at it you just turn this way and you're looking at it so and then you can leave the room and come back and it will be completely out of your field of vision and then when you come back to the room it's still pinned there it's just like you know, will man. have 11 basketball games from the 1980s going simultaneously in every corner of the house and no one in your home will ever know if you're authentically interacting with them it i, I that's what it's for it's for people who no it's not for it's not for use around other people it's for use when you are working um i mean i could see Maybe there's some cases where people are around and you have it on, but I think in most cases, I would simply use it the way I use my phone. I, it would just be more sitting on the sofa looking at it. Right. Instead of just looking at my phone, holding my phone, I'm just sitting there manipulating everything in my field of vision. And I will look a lot sillier than I do with my phone. Not that much sillier, though. But it's the, and, and am I going to go out in public with this thing? Probably not. But. I don't know. It it so get one. How much does it cost? How much does it cost? It's thirty five hundred dollars. It's ridiculous. It's incredibly expensive. But when I think about it, I'm like, these laptops cost that much, and it's it's about the cost well, of two laptops. Yeah. Well, I think it's a million times cooler and more a f- more interesting than a laptop. I think you should get one. Well, use next month's Patreon money to buy one of these fucking things, and then we can do a full product review. When you're done with that, you should buy a Tesla Cybertruck. Those are also (laughs) cool and disruptive. Those also look 20 times more interesting and cool than other trucks. I know they're not cool and I wouldn't be going. And, you know, I I don't like Apple. I think Apple has a lot of problems and I think they're the first person I know who started hating on Apple. I have to give you credit. Yeah, Yeah. their software sucks. But I do think the iPhone is revolutionary and Mm. it has been a Kara Swisher out here speaking tech tech truths the world isn't ready to hear. You're telling me the iPhone was revolutionary? Yeah, it was. And I think this potentially has the same thing. You know, when Google Glass came out and that completely crashed and burned and failed. I was excited about that when that first came out. I thought, hmm, I can see how this could be used. Is that what this Apple thing is? Or what's the difference? Google Glass just looked like a pair of glasses, right? Yeah, it was just, you know, you had one. I mean, what was that, like 15 years ago? And you were going to be able to like pull up certain things. But I mean, this is way more immersive. It's much bigger. It's heavier. It's the first, it's the first version. So it's only going to get better, I believe. So you're all on board with Apple Vision and virtual reality and stuff, huh? Maybe. Are you going to sign up for Neuralink? No. Elon Musk's brain chip, because that will yeah. um, that does everything even more seamlessly, right? Can't you send an email by thinking about it? Yeah, I'd be on, I'd be on board for that. I like to be able to manipulate everything with your hands when it comes to like shortcuts, you know, with your keyboard and typing and, and minority report. Talking yes, about moving minority all those wooden report. Balls the and first shit. time I saw that, I was just like, that is awesome. And this is the closest we have to that right now. And imagine in like 20 years when you don't have a huge thing on your face and you just have like glasses like I'm wearing right now uh-huh, uh-huh. and you're able to do that. You're going to like that. I don't know. I think that's pretty cool. I don't think I'm quite there yet in thinking it's cool. Whoops. I'm a little bit different, John. You see, I think reading a book is cool. Yeah, I know. And I think, I that's think going most for a walk in say. nature is cool. I think, I think taking my guitar to the park and reading a book and then putting down my book and picking up my guitar and writing a little song about the book I just read. That's what I think is cool. The Da Vinci Code is hard to crack, but crack it we will if we work together. Jesus married a prostitute and they had a secret son. It's all in the code. It's all down the road. See, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Let's not do any uh, more tech reviews. Okay. I, I, don't, right. I don't, I don't, I don't like right. stuff like C- that. I do want to say one thing about Bitcoin, though. Oh, just my for a second. God. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. I'm kidding, okay. I'm kidding you I'm got kidding. me. Kidding. You zing me. Hey, politics. Politics, you know? That's a thing that we sometimes discuss on the podcast. Let's discuss politics for like 30 seconds this week. Okay. 
uh, Biden sanctioned some Israeli settlers. That's fine. Kellyanne Conway, I don't know if you remember her. She was one of the like seven different people that, that ran Trump's campaign. In yeah, I remember her. Election. She was always fighting with her husband and daughter on TikTok. That's right. Yeah, what a nice daughter. country this is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, families are complicated. So, Ooh. yeah, George yeah. Conway's her her husband and he he famously hates Donald Trump. Right. Did they get divorced? I don't think so. See, this is like um, Mary Matlin and what's her name? And James Carville. Yeah. And their yeah. whole we've talked about this before, right? I don't trust spouses with radically different political no nor should you i that's something off about that because it's about your values right it's like mm-hmm. anyway sorry you were going to say something about this woman kelly well, kelly ann conway dropped some news i believe it was on fox news the oh, other shit. day she said that the leading vice presidential candidate that she's hearing about in trump world please is say tim scott please say tim scott it's not tim scott fuck my it life ben carson that's not happening. Yeah. And of course, all this stuff can change on a dime because that's how Trump's Dr. Ben Carson? Dr. Ben Carson. Okay. That is as likely as Taylor Swift tweeting, ceasefire now, free Palestine. There is no way that Donald Trump is reaching back four plus years into the past for Dr. Ben Carson, Mr. Penny per share himself, the the guy who could not figure out how to walk on stage when his name was called at that GOP debate. <laughs> he couldn't hear. He's, he's got hearing issues. Ben Carson. Well, ben Carson. Just... Remember, he was leading in Iowa and then Trump went crazy and was like, this guy tells lies. And he talked about how he was getting stabbed and there's no way he could have been stabbed. It was like one of the craziest Trump moments. OK, let's turn to our predictive portfolios. He's not on there yet. Oh, he's not? Damn it. No, but we need him on there. We do need him on there. I still have 100 shares, Tim Scott. That's holding steady at 16 cents. God. Yeah. I'm all negative risk. I went negative risk way too early, but um, I'm still up. I'm still up as long as it's um, Stefanik or the woman in in, uh, South Dakota. Christy Nome leading the pack at 24 cents. Yeah. Can't anyone can't anyone out there take their job seriously and do a good job? That's all I want. Who can do that for me? I'm reading here that the White House, in a reflection of their public confidence regarding the politics of Biden's positioning on Israel, arranged a call with Senator John Fetterman to, uh, you know, talk about his position on Gaza. In Palestine. Is that why Fetterman started trolling everybody by waving Israeli flags and stuff? No, I think he's been doing that ahead of time. And and the Biden administration is like, that's cool. Let's consult that guy and maybe that will help us. Then I read this article about how Joe Biden is so into watching Morning's Joe on fucking MSNBC. Why would a president watch TV? That doesn't surprise me. I know, but that's just like truly pathetic. I was hoping that one of the advantages that comes with age is that Joe Biden wouldn't care about cable news, but I guess he's prime cable news demographic because he's a boomer. Yeah. I don't know why that surprised me. The article was so distressing. It was like, Joe Biden loves watching Morning Joe and loves it when they speak well of him. Joe. Yeah. That sounds so like Trump. you're about to shuffle off this mortal coil. Don't waste your time thinking about what how others perceive you, especially not fucking cable news hosts that all have their noses up each other's butts like a human right. centipede. And, and are all just reading notes that are written by 20-something kids that are interns. I mean, yeah. it's just like the, the, the kids are watching what's happening on Twitter, and then they come up with a outline, and then the the host of Morning Joe talk about it. And then Joe Biden is like, that's awesome. But that's how the world works. Why is that, John? Let's really stop with all this little day-by-day political analysis and let's take a high altitude view. Why is the world the way it is? I don't, I don't know. You think on that. Yeah. Yeah. You think on that. Let's, let's all just take a moment and really consider in silence. Why is the world the way it is? We're going to give you 30 seconds to ponder this.
And we're back. Anybody have any ideas? If you know, shoot us an email. Contact at electionprofitmakers.com. <laughs> I'm desperate to know why the world is the way it is. Right. John, I hear there was a big event in UNC Sports World last week. Care to fill our listeners in as well as myself? A huge matchup here on Tobacco Road between North Carolina and Duke, two schools that are eight miles apart and are blue bloods in basketball. They met for the 261st time. And as everyone may remember, uh, Duke swept Carolina last year. So this was a big chance for Hubert Davis to get back on the board with a win. And Carolina won easily, dominated Duke. Uh, The final score was 93 to 85. It was very exciting. Everybody uh, rushed Franklin Street as the kids do. Did you go? No, I didn't. I didn't. You know, last time I went was with you. Yeah, that's uh, right. And that was in 2022, wasn't it? That's right. Uh, A couple of big... So Carolina's won five of the last eight versus Duke, including those two huge ones in 2022. But I was looking at my spreadsheet of the UNC Duke Mm. series. Mm -hmm. And... Was just trying to find, you know, in the last 100 matchups, uh, the series Duke has won 52 and Carolina's won 48. So I was trying to find something that was a little more even. So I went back a little bit further and went back to 1980, which was the year that Coach K began coaching at Duke. And I figured that's a nice even number, beginning of a decade. And since 1980, in the UNC Duke rivalry, there have been 106 games. 53 have been won by UNC. No way. And 53 have been won by Duke. And the point differential is 10 points. Whoa, really? Duke has scored 8,300 points and UNC has scored 8290 points. Listen to the numbers. Pretty this is incredible. what this is why they tune in. This is what keeps them coming back, Johnny. Listen to these Telling numbers. You, if Carolina had just won by 19, we would be perfectly even. Oh, how much did we win by? Day. We won by 9. We were <sighs> up by 15 at one point. But. Right, we just need it. We just need just a few so more points. Carolina is in the has the inside track for the final one seed in the NCAA tournament. They are it's 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 a battle between North Carolina and Kansas and Tennessee and Arizona for that final one seed. So anything could happen. But uh, a big bounce back for Hubert Davis and the Tar Heels. So if you had your Apple goggles, you would have been watching the basketball game in the center of your vision. And then off to the side, you could have had all your spreadsheets and your data things. That's right. Mo- so- and you'd be moving your head around being like, let me check that with my spreadsheet. The announcer would say something. You'd be like, mm, I'm going to fact check that real quick. And then you whip your head to the right. And inside the Google goggle, you're now looking at a different spreadsheet, right? Th- that's right. How I, do I you enter been- data into your spreadsheet? Just moving your fingers on a Just virtual moving your keyboard? Fingers. I, ha- I have no idea how it works, but that's how you, it, it's like, I guess a camera sees your your fingers, and that's that's how you do it. Okay. A camera um, sees your fingers, and that's how you do it. But, you know, as it is today, I've got the screen. I'm watching it on my phone. I um, can't believe you watch the fucking But game. it's the same, it's the same the, concept. You watch a basketball game on your but, phone. But it is the same concept. Watch it on a TV. The If you are holding the phone up... 18 inches from your face, it is the same size as if you have a 70-inch TV that is eight feet away from you. I know it's people say that, thing. It's but true. it's not. It's just not. And that's the same thing that's going to happen with, these, with the Apple Vision Pro. It's the same way. And I won't have to like turn the game off to look at my spreadsheet. I'll have them both up. Why don't you watch the game on the TV and look at the spreadsheet on your phone? That's the way to do it. You're toggling between the game and the spreadsheet because you do everything on your phone. That's right. That's that's so insane. Right. That's how I do it. I don't need to have multiple TVs all over the house. I'm going to have multiple TVs in my my Apple Vision Pro. <laughs> I think it should be more expensive. <laughs> Can you have an Apple Vision Pro where inside it, virtually, you're wearing another one? So it's like Russian nesting dolls and they go all the way down. You (laughs) can have like a thousand different goggles going. You could go so deep into your statistics. Yeah, you probably can. 
Listener questions, listener questions. It's my favorite part of the show, listener questions. First of all, a heartfelt thanks to everyone who wrote in about pinball machines last week. Remember, John, when I was fixated on the phrase, ride the Ferris wheel? I said, who? Yes. What? I said, which pinball machine used that phrase over and over again? It was the Cyclone pinball machine. Now, some listeners wrote in and gave me the wrong answer, and I understand the confusion. Cyclone was one of three amusement park themed games that were made by Williams. That was like the major pinball machine maker in the late 80s, early 90s. We had Comet and then Cyclone and then Hurricane. And then here's the thing that confused me, John. They also made a game, and I remember this game too. It was called Funhouse. And they definitely had Funhouse at the um, student union in at UNC, I think, because it had a mechanical, it was terrifying, a mechanical ventriloquist dummy head. And his name was Rudy. And he would watch you play pinball, like his eyes and head would move. Very disconcerting. Very disconcerting. Also want to give a shout out to pinballmap.com that a couple people recommended to us. This is an app that lets you know where various pinball machines are located. So if I get a hankering to play Funhouse and do battle with the ventriloquist dummy head named Rudy, I plug Funhouse into pinballmap.com and it'll tell me where to drive to to go play it. What do you think about that, John? Very cool. I like it. Welcome to another installment of the Bumper Sticker Diaries. Bill writes in, he says, in 1993, the head gasket blew on my 1979 Honda Civic while southbound on the Hutchinson River Parkway in the Bronx during the usual stop and go traffic. So not only was there the embarrassment of contributing to the slowdown, but also the rubbernecking was occurring at an excruciatingly slow pace that allowed for prolonged and awkward mutual eye contact. Bill continues, as a former aficionado of motoring magazines, David knows exactly how tough a figure the 1979 Civic cut on America's highways. Now imagine that times 10, because as a force multiplier, I had applied a Clinton-Gore bumper sticker to the rear hatch of my car in 1992. Hmm. The body shop that painted the car earlier in 1993 to soften its well-earned road scars and rust had kindly masked off the bumper sticker. It was now no longer merely applied, but was fully integrated into the car's exterior sealed in by a sharp border of paint around its edges. That's that's bad. That's bad. He says, I'm not sure whether that was visible to our slowly moving audience, but it mattered to me. The mild contretemps occurred when one of those new SUVs slowly overtook and then inched past us. There were two douchey fellows a couple of years older than me in it, the one in the passenger seat, at least in my memory, smoking a cigar. My memory might be making that up, but it's a convenient shorthand for these guys' vibe. Well, now, I don't know. That's interesting because a cigar can indicate either a blue-collar worker or a multimillionaire. That's true, and sometimes they're the same these days. And the fact that it was a new SUV makes me think they might have been men of extreme wealth and taste. Well, I think they probably are because, as you'll learn here in a second— the passenger took a long look through his open window as the vehicle crept past while we stood helpless under semi-disinterested observation. Review complete from about five feet away in a what-can-you-do tone, he said, should have voted for Bush. Mm. We were in the Bronx, so I replied with a calm, get the fuck out of here inflection. Fuck you. But I was so owned that he didn't even want to get out and have words or anything. He just smiled and turned to chat with the driver as they headed off to whatever golf course or steak dinner was next on their itinerary. So they were millionaires. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And then he, he finishes with, did I rehab this car and keep it? I did not. It is. It would be great if there was a switch on your bumper that could hide all your bumper stickers as soon as your car is at a standstill. 
Bumper stickers are all fine and dandy if you're racing down the road and no one can stop you and fight you. Or the worst thing that's going to happen is someone's going to hold up a whiteboard that they've written a message on at 75 miles an hour, like that fucking fake story we got last week from what's their name. But as soon as you come to a stop, if you're in a parking lot, forget it. I don't want to have a bunch of political bumper stickers and then be going to the loading up my car with groceries in a parking lot and then get accosted by someone who has a different point of view than me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great idea. My If my car breaks down on the side of the road, the first thing I'm going to do is rip off my bumper stickers. Exactly. I want to appear Just, completely You need neutral. to have something that you can switch them out. You can either take them off or switch to something else. You know, if I have an American Cucumbers are Bountiful sticker on the back and then all of a sudden I see blue lights coming up behind me, it's got to be switched out with a back the blue bumper sticker immediately. Magnet bumper stickers are the way to go and you just take them off anytime you're not driving. Right. Speaking of Taylor Swift and her amazing tweet that she's going to tweet out soon, calling for an immediate end uh, to the war in uh, Gaza. Uh, We were talking about Joe Biden fumbling the ball so hard with Israel and everything, how it's affecting his uh, chances, especially in Michigan. Maybe. Jeff writes in, you guys have no idea about the effect of the Gaza war and Biden's so-called handling of it on the 2024 election. So stop saying he's screwing it up. Sure, many young folks are mad and threatening to not support him, but other groups I suspect appreciate his traditional and conservative position on Israel. By the way, I question the authenticity and accuracy of the article you referenced, stating that black congregations are also upset with Biden. Don't be such bedwetters. Ooh, he's bringing out the classic David Axelrod accusation. And by the way, didn't David, was David Axelrod talking about that in the 2020 election? No, it was twenty. It was twenty sixteen. Right, exactly. Did yeah. the bed was the bed yeah, justified and get very wet in that election? <laughs> right, right. Don't be such bedwetters. Jeff continues. Biden's been doing this politics thing a long time, and I'm sure he understands the precariousness of the situation. Yeah, he does. If I remember correctly, you both did not think Biden would become the nominee in twenty twenty either. Wrong. So I think your bias is showing. I just want to say for the record that you and Starley did not think that Biden would become the nominee. But you, I was you all okay. in on Biden and said that he was going to win. I don't want to be too harsh with you guys, Jeff concludes, since I really like your podcast and I enjoy your observations and humor. But this is my two cents. Then he submitted a recent poll as evidence that we're bedwetting. You know what, Jeff? I think the bed is like justifiably kind of damp right now. Yeah, you're 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 absolutely right. Michigan is Michigan is a swing state and a lot of people in Michigan has a big Arab population. You might not agree with the wisdom of punishing Biden by not voting for him and then ushering in a second Trump administration. We're just going to be pretty nice to the Palestinians. <laughs> but that's not to say it couldn't happen because of Biden's positions on Israel. I mean, we have to wait and see. I'm adopting a wait and see attitude. But I do think it's it's I think it's As of right now, it's definitely having an effect on how people are responding to polls. Could definitely be having an effect on voter enthusiasm. That's where I'm worried. The voter enthusiasm. Just having a just, you know, a half a point of people deciding to sit out can make all the difference. It's not that a bunch of crazy blue haired dreadlocked lefties are going to decide to punish Biden by voting for Trump. It's that they'll decide not to spend 90 minutes standing in line to vote for Biden. If they're pissed at him about Israel, maybe not bedwetting, bed dampening. How about that? Mm-hmm. Or bed, it's bedwetting, but it's not the kind of bedwetting from the kind Axelrod was referring to where you urinate, where you lose control right. of your bladder. It's from sweat. Right. Bed moistening. Bed, bed moistening. Bed sweating. Bed sweating. Not bedwetting, mm-hmm. bed sweating. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. But Jeff, from your lips to God's ears, you're saying Biden's been in this game a long time about no lies detected. He sh- I'm sure he understands the precariousness of the situation. It's probably why they leaked that he's calling <laughs> what they had this leaks of him calling Netanyahu a f- what do you call him a fucking idiot no, called, or fuck that he guy called or... Trump a sick fuck. Right. I know he's I know he's unloading on Trump behind closed doors. Right. Sick right. fuck. But didn't he also use the F bomb with Netanyahu? Ooh, I don't know. Yeah. Let me Google that real quick. Biden. Netanyahu, fuck. That's what I'm going to Google. Biden is said to have called Netanyahu, quote, a bad fucking guy. There you go. The Times of Israel dot com. Well, I guess we'll see what happens. I think, it, you know, on predicted right now, they're pretty much tied Biden and Trump. Uh, 
Joe Biden up two over Trump unpredicted. Yeah. Maybe Jeff's right. We'll see. Yeah. Well, I think it's going to be a pretty close election, but I certainly don't feel particularly confident. You were feeling much more confident before October 7th. Yeah, I think you're right. No, it's it's just it's not any type of wars are never going to be good. Mm. So real talk. <laughs> yeah. Andy writes, and I have a contribution to the Bumper Sticker Diaries. In 2002, when I was in college, I was temporarily moving from Louisville, Kentucky to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to start an internship. At the time, I drove a red 1991 Toyota Corolla with bumper stickers on the back for Slater Kenny and a now forgotten but wonderful band called Bangs, who were Slater Kenny's Kill Rock Stars label mates. John, have you ever heard of Sleater Kenny? Oh, is it Sleater Kenny? Yeah, I think it's Sleater Kenny. Oh, okay. No, I don't, no. I don't know. It's a band. They were huge in the 90s. Okay. I probably know their... Uh, their hit songs? Yeah. You got a fast car. <laughs> na, na, na. Is that it? No. Okay. It's... um. You ever watch that show Portlandia? Yeah. It's the woman from Portlandia, Carrie Brownstein. Oh, yeah. I love her. Uh, and two other women. It was a trio, okay. two guitars yeah. and drums, no bass player, all women. Of course, yeah. From the yeah. Pacific Northwest. Yeah, they were a I big know Sleater, Sleater slash Slater Kenny yeah. okay. very well now. All right. So Andy says, driving up Interstate 71 between Cincinnati and Columbus, a car with two young women inside slowly pulled beside me in the left lane. One of them held a held up a piece of notebook paper that read, hell yeah, Sleater, Kenny, and bangs. I enthusiastically gave them a wave and thumbs up and we followed each other for a few miles, making goofy faces and air guitar gestures. I'm loving this. At some point, they pulled up beside me again with another sign that said, come to Columbus. It's fun. <laughs> That's great. I love that. This that is getting, this is, this, we might board. be achieving peak bumper sticker diary. So we gestured to each other to pull off at the next exit and met up at a chain restaurant where it turned out. They were bangs-loving punk rock roommates from Columbus. We had a great time at lunch, and so I followed them back to Columbus and to their apartment. The one who was a passenger had to go to work, but the driver and I hung out for a few hours and shot photos for each other's MySpace page profiles of us stage-smoking cigarettes with leopard-skin bras on our heads. This, this, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm Driving locked in back, now. I'm locked in yeah. now. It's 2002. Making your yeah. MySpace page profile with the leopard skin bra on your head? Okay. Driving back and forth between Louisville and Pittsburgh over the next year, I visited her, visited her several times in Columbus, and we went to one or two shows together with her group of friends. We occasionally corresponded after I moved away from the region until she passed away a few years ago. Mm. Isn't that what you always imagine will happen if you have cool enough bumper stickers? that people will pull up to you on the interstate and invite you back to their home and become your friend, it does happen sometimes, I guess. Wow. This is what I have been waiting for. And I didn't even know it, John. When we solicited stories of bumper sticker drama, I assumed it would be stories of discord, political disagreement, intimations of violence, if not outright violence. We had recently an obviously made-up story about someone, a George W. Bush supporter, using the phrase asshat to refer to someone who was driving with a John Kerry bumper sticker, written on a whiteboard at 120 miles per hour in defiance of all common sense. Now Andy gives us the inverse. Another message dashed off in a moving automobile based on, the, on, a, on a fellow traveler's bumper sticker, but in this case, it's one of fellowship. A love for Sleater Kinney and Bangs and being a young person in 2002. Andy, you've done it again. This guy pitches nothing but heat. A wonderful story. And I'm sorry for the loss of your friend. But this is like one of those, this is like one of those things. It's like one of those emails where if I'd been a little bit drunk when I was reading it, I would have started crying. Really? This is so evocative. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just no, being young. No, I don't know. A human yeah. among humans, to quote Dostoevsky, the great Russian bumper sticker enthusiast. Right. I'd like to see one of his novels fit on a bumper sticker. Not bloody likely. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like this is just so, this has everything, man. Yeah. What a bumper sticker diary. I think that concludes the bumper sticker diaries. We're never going to top that, right? Probably not. Because this diary is about youth itself, the phenomenon and open mindedness and spontaneity. And 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 semi aimlessness of youth. 
deciding to just follow these people to Columbus because they liked your bumper sticker and then taking the MySpace photos. Woo. Yeah. Did you have a MySpace? Yeah, man. I did have a MySpace. Seriously? Very briefly. I had a MySpace. I had to hop on because someone was impersonating me or one of my comics on MySpace, I think. It was like a defensive MySpace thing. It was the, right. stuff, it was the stuff you excel at. It was like yeah. someone was yeah. out there saying he was get your war on or something, and then I had to get into MySpace. I don't remember doing much with it. I think I joined like two months before it went down the tubes. Yeah, same with me. You got to protect your brand. I've got you know the John Kimball alias username on all sites. That makes you easy MySpace. to find. J-O-N-K-I-M-B-A-L-L. John Kimball on all the major brands. That's right. Matt writes in with a bird recording. As, as more atmospheric rivers approach California in the beginning of February, and we're definitely living through that right now, I submit to you this bird recording from just after a January rain. After a long day of precipitation, the concrete banks of the Bologna Creek, I don't know if it's Bologna or Bologna, but I used to bike on it a lot, actually. This is me, David, talking. But in spite of that, I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm going to say Bolana Creek. The concrete banks of the Bolana Creek were restraining a torrent of water as it churned towards Marina del Rey and the awaiting Pacific. The traffic of the 405 and the 90 humming in the background, the post-storm wind whooshing through the palm trees, and the aforementioned rushing of the brimming creek conspired to drown out the calls of the shorebirds in the late evening twilight on the banks of the creek. The quality of the cell phone microphone did not help either. My dad's Merlin app tells him that these are killdeer birds, but I would be happy to know if any listeners believe otherwise. Until then, I'm following the numbers. All right, Matt, we're assuming per your father's app that these are killdeer. In any, in any case, let's take a listen to these birds. And we're back. That was, a, that was a short recording. I could have used more. Yeah. Aaron writes in, I was excited to hear on last week's episode that Carl Sandburg poem, Fog. I'm glad it got your seal of approval as Skyline Poetry, as that was the first thought that came to my mind for me as well. For more Skyline Poetry from Sandburg, the Windy City, although much too long for your podcast, goes pretty hard, and the Poetry Foundation has helpfully pulled out the two most architectural sections, sections one and six. But Carl Sandburg was not the only one inspired by a foggy skyline. We also have Lawrence Ferlinghetti's The Changing Light. Aaron continues, I think it's interesting that so many skyline poets seem to love the juxtaposition of the man-made city and natural phenomena. So I'll round this out with a pair of early 20th century poems about the meeting of moonlight with electric light, which must have been pretty weird and exciting back then. These take place in New York City. We have Claude McKay's Moon Song. And Sarah Teasdale's absolute banger of a sonnet called The Lights of New York. I'm loving the poetry segment, Aaron concludes, and I look forward to hearing more of what other listeners send in. So, Aaron, thank you for all these poems. I reviewed all of them. John and I are now going to read section six from Carl Sandburg's The Windy City. You want to start? The wheelbarrows grin, the shovels and the mortar hoist an exploit, the stone shanks of the Monadnock, the transportation. The people's gas building stand up and scrape at the sky. The wheelbarrows sing, the bevels and the blueprints whisper. The library building named after a creerer, naked as a stock farm silo, light as a single eagle feather, stripped like an airplane propeller takes a path up. Two cool new rivets, says, maybe it's morning. God knows. Put the city up. Tear the city down. Put it up again. Let us find a city. Let us remember the little violet-eyed man who gave all, praying, dig and dream, dream and hammer till your city comes. Every day, the people sleep and the city dies. Every day, the people shake loose, awake, and build the city again. The city is a tool chest opened every day. A time clock punched every morning. A shop door, bunkers, and overalls counting every day. The city is a balloon and a bubble plaything shot to the sky every evening, whistled in a ragtime jig down the sunset. The city is made, forgotten, and made again. Trucks hauling it away, haul it back, 
steered by drivers whistling ragtime against the sunsets. Every day the people get up and carry the city, carry the bunkers and balloons of the city, lift it up and put it down. I will die as many times as you make me over again, says the city to the people. I am the woman, the home, the family. I get breakfast and pay the rent. I telephone the doctor, the milkman, the undertaker. I fix the streets for your first and your last ride. Come clean with me. Come clean or dirty. I am stone and steel of your sleeping numbers. I remember all you forget. I will die as many times as you make me over again. Under the foundations, over the roofs, the bevels and the blueprints talk it over. The wind of the lakeshore waits and wanders. The heave of the shore wind hunches the sand piles. The winkers of the morning stars count out cities and forget the numbers. I mean, come on. Yeah. Carl Sandburg. That was awesome. Another win. And he, and he ends with forget the numbers. And we're yeah. all about listen to the numbers. What's happening? I don't know. Thematically, this episode is collapsing in on itself in the most lovely, <laughs> in the most lovely and concentrated right. way. I just pray our listeners have the aptitude, spiritually, physically, and mentally, to appreciate the, to appreciate the magic that we are spinning for them. Thank you, Aaron, for these poetry recommendations. And especially for section six of Carl Sandburg's 1920s poem, The Windy City. He must be talking about Chicago, John. The yeah. Windy City. He must be. Yeah, that's that's what it's famous for. Wind. Wind. Your enemy, your sworn enemy, the wind. Yeah. And yet Carl Sandburg makes it almost palatable. Man, oh man, that was great. That was. Thank you. Poetry. You know what William Carlos Williams said or someone like that said? They said, a poem is a machine made out of words. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. I think William Carlos Williams said that. He wrote about, um, you know, the poem about the plums in the icebox. Isn't that William mm. Carlos Williams? This is just to say I ate all the plums in the icebox. Yes. I fucked up, but they were so good. Then he had another poem. was like, so much depends on this red wheelbarrow standing in the rain with a hen looking at it. Damn, poetry is so intriguing. How do they get away with it, John? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. How do they get away with it? Well, anyway, that's our episode. John, read the credits. Election Profit Makers is an independent production. We welcome your support on Patreon at patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. And if you sign up for Patreon, you'll receive some wonderful EPM stickers in the mail. You'll also get an invite to our private Discord. Send your election prediction questions, skyline requests, and bird recordings to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. And if you want to advertise with us, email contact at electionprofitmakers.com. Talk to you later. Goodbye. Bye.